Meet Nate. By day, he works in IT. But when he gets on the bike, he becomes... Nature Nate. An outdoorsy type with his head in the clouds and a weak supply of trail mix in his cargo pants. Nature Nate leaves no trace, except for native wildflowers. If a tree falls in the forest, he'll help it get back up. And Nature Nate rides with Geico, because getting specialty coverage for his motorcycle is the natural choice. Geico Motorcycle, expert coverage for both your sides. I promised two things, that I would get the body exhumed and I would get a second autopsy done. Within two weeks, we were able to accomplish that. But more importantly, Chief Keel uh, called me on the phone and said that I can make a public statement that South Carolina has now changed its position, that Stephen Smith was the victim of a homicide and not of a hit and run. Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises and delivers on bringing you the very best guests in all of true crime. And we've got a low country reunion for you tonight. I'm looking forward to it. As we all know by now, Alec Murdoch went from prominent attorney to convicted killer, and now there's a growing list of questions left in his wake, and perhaps the biggest of all of them, Stephen Smith's murder. Will it be solved, and will his mother, Sandy, finally get justice? The best guests today are here to break it all down. You know all their faces, but I'll reintroduce them. Eric Bland. He was selected for inclusion in the South Carolina Super Lawyers for a gazillion years in a row. Uh, for his excellence and recognition as a super lawyer in professional liability. He was one of two in the entire state of South Carolina with this honor. He also happens to be representing Stephen Smith's family, whose suspicious death was declared a murder shortly after Alec Murdoch's conviction. He is host of Cup of Justice, a phenomenal true crime podcast that started with the Alec Murdoch case. Sarah Ford! with the lovely-looking hair, not to be confused with Amy Lawrence Lovely. Sarah Ford has served as legal director at the South Carolina Victim Assistance Network since 2017, where she leads a team of attorneys and advocates to provide direct legal services to South Carolina crime victims. She's a former South Carolina prosecutor, and she, too, is the host of an excellent podcast, Palmetto Prime Time. Not a host of a podcast, but the hardest-working defense attorney in South Carolina, Amy Zimmercheck, the owner of AJZ Law Firm. Uh, she's been voted as a member of Super Lawyers continuously since 2019. She's had over 10 not guilties on felony cases, including murder and rape since 2009. And certainly not last, uh, and definitely not least, but, but last today. Amy Lawrence, she fights for the civil rights of the wrongfully accused every day in her practice at the name which bears, at the firm which bears her name, the lovely law firm. She was also on MTV's Teen Mom 2 and has appeared on the Dr. Phil Show. A quick reminder, please follow us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, Podcast STS is the handle, Podcast STS. You can support us on Patreon, and you can support us as a YouTube member. Uh, Eric Bland, how is your knee doing? You had knee replacement surgery, and uh, saw you tweeting about it. Um, how are you feeling? Um. I'm, I'm I'm still optimistic, but it, it really has been a hard road. I was telling Amy about it. It uh, it was more than I kind of bargained for and really anticipated. It it's a pretty 
uh, major surgery to begin with it, but I had some complications and it, you know, I feel like I'm going to cross the the threshold to start to feel better, but it's been a tough 30 days. I'm just going to be honest. A lot of different type of treatments and drugs and crazy thoughts that you get in your head about, you know, you ever going to recover, but um, thank you for asking. And uh, I'm hopeful. And you are a uh, physical specimen, and uh, we got to keep you uh, in check. But you'll be back in the he's gym. I think his weight while he's going through a knee replacement. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying, but I lost 18 pounds. You know, that's what these these chemical drugs do to you. They suppress your appetite. So well, just I found them for you, Eric. They're, they're right over here if you need them. I got them. You girls, <laughs> you girls do not need to give up weight. You're perfectly fine. And we'll. Uh, it just means we'll see more of your abs, Eric. Next question. I've got three for you in a row. How are the Satterfield children? For those who don't know, Eric was, uh, and I guess still representing the the Satterfields and working with them. Uh, of course, Gloria Satterfield was the Murdoch's uh, housekeeper who died falling down a flight of stairs. Uh, how are they, Eric? They're doing well. Um, you know, we've recovered a good bit of money for them. So they're, they're financially secure for the rest of their life as they should have been from the start with Alex. Their money is safe. It's uh, being managed by uh, Merrill Lynch. So they have plenty of money to live on and there'll be plenty of corpus to hopefully to live out the rest of their life the way it should be. And now we're starting to take more of an interest again because uh, one of the things we may talk about is Alex is crying poverty and um, is trying to get more money than what was agreed uh, to be allocated to him from the sale of some of the home items that you may have saw, the couch and all the other stuff that people were paying ungodly amounts of money for. And of course, Dick Harpootlin is now coming in with his handout saying, well, we spent so much money defending Alex that we should be recompensed for, you know, our lodging at $25,000 a week that we were spending. So we have a judgment still for $4.3 million. So now there's going to be a hearing, I believe, on uh, May 5th. Uh, in connection with that request, and we intend we in, intend to object to say that it's really rich for Alex to start calling himself a victim when he's a convicted double murderer. And, and do we happen to know uh, how much the defense was paid uh, for yes. their work? They were paid five hundred thousand dollars to represent Paul in connection with Mallory Beach's DUI boating accident, which they never really had to earn because, unfortunately, Paul was. Uh, killed. Um, and they supposedly are getting $600,000 from the money that was released from Alex's IRA. Now, in all fairness to Dick and Jim, from that $600,000, they had to pay all the expert witnesses, which they claim are somewhere in the neighborhood of up to $200,000, plus their lodging costs for seven weeks. Um, so that's why they're going back in and saying it's unreasonable for us to have tried a capital, you know, a first degree murder case, not a capital case, um, and only be paid a couple hundred thousand dollars. And the other thing, Joel, is they've entered their appearance in all the other charges for Alex, all the financial crime charges. And these women on here who are excellent criminal defense attorneys know that it's much harder to get out as a defense attorney once you're giving your appearance in a criminal case, as opposed to a civil case the judge will sometimes let you out a lot easier. So they may be in it for a long time. 
And uh, Sarah Ford, uh, you're a victim's advocate. Uh, is Alec a victim now? Do you feel sorry for him suddenly that he's impoverished? And uh, did Dick Harpootlian not make enough money? Um, to to steal something from uh, Amy Lawrence Lovely, uh, bleep no. Absolutely. I can't do it, Amy. I'm trying. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Bleep no. Absolutely not. Sarah's he's, too sweet. I, no. I'm not, he's anything but a fucking victim. Is what she's trying to say. Listen, um, to the, listen to the argument, Sarah, yeah. that, he, that he made. He said that IRA money was legitimately earned by me, so therefore it should be mine. But what Justin Bamberg and I said, but the $8 million that you stole from your client, that's what you use to live on every day. So right. the fact that you put law firm money in an IRA but lived on stolen money doesn't make the IRA money yours. It's not clean money. So he's like, correct. LIFO, 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 or whatever. I like that, Amy. It work. Yeah, right? no, it doesn't work. He's not a victim. The money that he he wants to use, whatever money he's got needs to go back to, to the victims here. He is not a victim in any way under the law and the morality in anyone's mind except his own. Um, and to say that the money he has in his IRA is clean money I think is a faulty legal argument. I think it's a crappy moral argument. I think it's a crappy person argument. What and do you really think? I'll be quiet, guys. Sorry. But no. yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I think it's it's complete crap. Well, right. Amy Zimmerchick, uh, Eric says this could be tied up in the courts. Uh, what, what's your thought on this? Obviously, I, I would imagine you think that uh, Alec needs to hand over some money. But uh, will it be uh, with your... Uh, legal expertise will it be a difficult challenge going through the court system to squeeze that out of his hands you know i don't i don't i don't it shouldn't be um i think that the courts are really getting tired of the foolishness um you know one thing that is incredibly frustrating still is that you know i still have um clearly i'm not charging enough money you know because uh, i'm not getting paid those kinds of fees and and you know i still have people and maybe if I were, the people that I were representing would have already had their trials. But I have people who have been awaiting trials for years, years, Y-E-A-R-S, freaking years. And, you know, they haven't they haven't gotten any kind of justice. And now what Alec and his team are doing are clogging up the courts more. I know it's more of a civil it's a civil side, but still it, it clogs up court time that that could be used, you know, for for people who actually need to get in the court process. It is incredibly frustrating, but I do think that the judges have, um, especially now that the conviction has been had, I think the judges are making or trying to make swift. I mean, the fact that you already have a hearing, Eric, coming up at the beginning of the month, yeah. it tells me, it tells me that they are, they're trying to move these things swiftly because it just, it's, slows down money for the victims. It slows down, it slows down the entire process for, for everybody. And that's not true justice. Joel, just so you know that he doesn't have the money in his hands. We, we were able to get a court appointed receiver, John Lay and Peter McCoy, the former U.S. attorney. So they have gone out and marshaled over the last year and a half every asset that Alex had that could be found. So they have all the money. Dick and Jim are asking the court to, to order them to release the money. So we, we, we do have a basis to get the money. Uh, what's going to end up happening, it's going to be like the 9-11 fund. If you're a victim of Alex's fraud, you'll make an application. 
And then there'll be a panel that determines how much recovery you got and how much more you should get. And so there'll be an equitable division. So um, I think there'll be an orderly process. But Amy is so correct. I mean, how does Dick Harpootlian get to push this case to the front of the list when people have been sitting in jail in Lexington on a murder case since 2017, I heard. And Eric, how much money is in that Alec Murdoch pool to be distributed out? Uh, not as much as we would like or you would think, but I think there's probably will be maybe 900,000, maybe a little bit more. But certainly we don't know where that 8 million or more that he stole from clients went. I just and, want to say that I'm not sure that he got his money's worth for what he paid. Just <laughs> say that out loud. That's a different day, Amy. Is there any kind of investigation into where these funds are? Because he's oh yeah, the FBI. The FBI's been doing it. Um, they they they're tracking and tracing. Um, a lot of it is in what they think ghosted names and partnerships that people were holding it equitably for him. And there's always the rumor that because he was constantly going over uh, to the islands, the St. Martins, that maybe some money's there. The FBI will get to the bottom of it sooner or later, or Alex will talk. You know, Alex will end up talking. It's always offshore. Thanks to LFM for becoming a YouTube member. Um, I'd love to get uh, everyone's reaction to the next question. And uh, Amy Lawrence, lovely to you first. Uh, we've had time to breathe now since the Alec Murdoch uh, conviction. Um, you've had time to ruminate, think about it. What's your uh, What's your biggest takeaway? That justice was served. I mean, I think that's what we saw and it was swift and that felt good. Like it kind of restored um, our faith in humanity in the system because for so long um, we're disappointed in it. But this kind of rang true and, and and everybody knows I struggled with this case for a long time. It drove Amy Z crazy because I was playing devil's advocate constantly, literally sometimes. Um, I guess we now know literally. Um but I think as it progressed and the story unfolded and the evidence unfolded, because so much of it was under kind of lock and key and we didn't know about it, that we realized that he really did do it. And it broke our, it broke my heart because I, I wanted to believe that he didn't do it. I think we all kind of hoped in our heart that he didn't. Um, but as it showed us that he did. And then, you know, I watched a lot of people's, uh, a lot of attorneys comments um, on all kinds of, on this show, on a lot of different shows. And they really thought that his county would give him the extra benefit of the doubt that he would still get that Murdoch name would still get him somewhere. And when it came back in such a quick verdict, I mean, I think that spoke volumes and it kind of restored our faith in the system, especially here in South Carolina. Yeah. We look good to the world guys. You know, we're, our profession really got stung hard by Alex's uh, games and different things that he did. And, our state had a black eye and we always are the butt of a lot of jokes because of where we're ranked on a lot of things on education and different things. People like to make fun of South Carolina, but we really showed how justice works. Exactly what Amy said. We showed that you can have a trial, that you have a judge that's uh, reserved with good temperament, that's smart, that isn't a Lancito like in the OJ case. You saw excellent lawyering, you saw competent witnesses. You saw mostly female law enforcement witnesses who were credentialed and educated and spoke well. Then you saw a resounding, incredibly guilty verdict. That's what they held them to be, incredibly guilty. And then when it was over, there was no rioting. Even people who were on different sides of the fence, people who thought that Alex was 
you know, there should be a hung jury or the government didn't meet its burden. Everybody got along. Look, I've never, I never, I want to ask you guys, did you ever hear anybody say Alex is innocent? I heard a lot of people say the government didn't prove their case. But Sarah, what do you think? Did you hear people say Alex is innocent? Never. Never. And I, I would go, I, I repeatedly explain the difference between someone being innocent and someone being not guilty. It's just not proven. But right. no, never, never mm -hmm. heard that. Everyone was like, ah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. I don't know if they, like, you know, I don't know that the state proved their case, but I didn't hear that at all. I heard a lot of people saying, how could someone do this? I right. don't understand, but I never heard that. I heard a lot. I don't think he pulled the trigger, but I think he was there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or he knows. Or knows. I, I was in TJ Maxx because when my kids are at basketball and I can run away for like 30 minutes, I take the moment. And I was watching the trial, like playing catch up with it, like in my little cart as I'm strolling around. The lady in the jewelry section goes, I've been watching that all day. I go, yeah, what do you think? She goes, well, what do you think? I said, well, what, I'm a lawyer. What I think doesn't matter. I think, what do you think? And she said, I think something ain't right about that, man. <laughs> I think he was there at the very least. And I said, I think you hit the nail on the head, ma'am. Well, listen, I'll tell you, we are covering the uh, Lori Vallow Daybell trial uh, out of Boise, Idaho right now. Another wacky, wacky case with a lot of bodies that have piled up. And, sure, five. Uh, five of them. Yeah, five of them. And uh, South Carolina has a special place in my heart. Um, you guys are were very attached to, to your state, uh, super interested in it. Uh, there are obviously attorneys in Idaho who are very interested in it. But I, they would admit not to the degree that you guys were uh, in this case, um, even though it is super high profile. So uh, kudos to you guys for caring about your state and what goes on in it. And kudos to Diana for becoming a YouTube member. And Jennifer, words of encouragement. Eric is back in the house. Knee surgery is rough without complications. Praying for you, Eric. Follow Thanks, Jennifer. SDS Nation is the best. Janice says you will recover. And Michelle... The mother in the group, please don't get addicted to those painkillers, Eric. We need you. On I stopped them on Tuesday. I I, I want everybody I mean, to know. Before you know it, you'll be taking mayonnaise jars of opioids. And I yeah. stopped Tuesday. I I cut out, cut them out uh, beginning on Friday. Weaned off, and I'm off since Tuesday, and I'm okay. Uh, Ellie okay. says she's going to make you chicken soup. If you get up to fifty thousand dollars a week in opioids, let me know. Uh, okay, that's always a bad sign. Yeah. Uh, Jill says hello from Napa. Um, Sarah, to you, what was your takeaway uh, now that you've had time to uh, reflect? You've got Palmetto Prime Time, the uh, podcast. So, uh, what have you guys been talking about on that in relation to uh, Alec Murdoch? You know, we, we're still trying to help people understand what the system really is all about. Because, you know, so often people think, you know, law and order, what they see on court TV is this, you know, we don't have a lot of this is what this means. What you're seeing, this is what this is. This is why this is. So we're trying to do a lot of that. We just had on um, Director Sterling. Um, he was on our podcast today. He is the director of the South Carolina Department of Corrections. He took us through a day in the life of an inmate. What sort of things have they got for, uh, you know, what would the things that Alec Murdoch would be doing? What would he be, um, you, know, you know, privy to? What about people who are, you know, going to be released? What can we expect from that? Um, it's an important, you know, conversation and a, an important part of the system. Um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to still, uh, I, I think I'm a teacher at heart. So always trying to make things interesting and make, make things make sense for people. Because if you're just watching stuff, you don't know what it means or why we do it, then what's the point? We want people to to understand the system. That's the most important thing to me. 
And I was going to save this for last because that's where Alec Murdoch deserves to be now. But uh, Sarah brought it up. Uh, he is obviously a convicted double murderer, and he was just uh, assigned to a new maximum security prison, uh, the McCormick Correctional Institution. It houses a total of 1,100 plus adult male inmates. It's been the scene of several violent crimes and riots in recent years. He is being housed in an eight by 10 foot cell with a bed, a toilet, and a sink all crammed inside. Uh, and his unit only holds 28 inmates, and their location is not disclosed for safety and security re uh, reasons. So uh, he is living uh, a very unpleasant life and uh, must be looking over his shoulder quite a bit because uh, there's a lot of people uh, in the joint who are probably not pleased to see him there. Um, not disagree. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I think the state has a very big incentive to make sure that he stays healthy and uh, safe. And I think he's being watched. And I think the uh, guards have caretakers for him. The, the, the worst thing for our state could be if he goes to jail and something happens in prison, that something would happen to him. Um, I don't think our director of corrections would want that. So I think he's going to be alone a lot. Uh, recreating alone, maybe for one hour at two in the morning. But I do believe he's going to be safe. That's Nobody, just my Nobody's going to shank him. Yeah. He's going to be there yeah. writing people's appeals, being the lawyer, the free lawyer in jail, pointing out. Well, and that's the, and that's the, the whole and that's what I was going to say. Amy, Amy Go, exactly Amy. right. He, the thing that he, um, the thing that he did, even in Alvin S. Glenn, and, and I represent a lot of people that have been in and out and through Alvin S. Glenn and, and a lot are not a lot, but some are still in. But I'll tell you, he um, he finds a way to adapt. I don't think it's that hard for him to adapt to that kind of lifestyle because I think he is so narcissistic and and, and can adapt to anything. Um, but no, he I mean, he has already um, I have I have two inmates that I'm representing on appeal in um, that are stationed in McCormick. And uh, he is not shying away. He's not hiding. He is like, he's trying to become in the mix. He is, uh, you know, he is trying to adapt to, to absolutely, you know, to, to absolutely life in there that the life that he wants, you know, he's already wheeling and dealing. He's um, like Amy said, you know, trying to offer legal advice. I don't know that I would take legal advice from somebody who doesn't even know what a habeas is. Um, right. But, yeah, yeah, I he mean, it's terrifying um, because he, he did fight. I mean, he, did fight yeah. he fought now Alvin Glenn and he's a pretty big guy, you know, former football player. I don't oh, know if anybody saw it, but during the, one of the bond hearings, he had cuts on his face and on his knuckles. So from what I understand, he's, he gives as good as he gets. Eric, first of all, you walk in, you pick out the biggest guy, and you just start going at it. And you, right. you just like let everybody know you're not to be. And y'all, let's not forget, too, that everybody in the Department of Corrections gets a tablet. So he's getting these quote unquote emails. He's got a lot of these really love letters, love letters that he's getting. Did you from, read those? Oh, those were so offensive to me. He's in prison oh, and so he's the most unfortunate looking person I've ever seen in my whole life. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's a whole other show. Women that are obsessed with men in prison, but uh, yes, Z, you're a wise woman. What was your takeaway from this whole uh, saga that is not over yet? And we're going to get into Stephen Smith in a moment. Well, um, it's certainly not over for me because, you know, I have the co-defendant um, who, um, I, you know, I still have a lot of 
all of my cases pending. Um, how is cousin so, Ed, Eddie? How is cousin Eddie? He's fantastic. He, well, I'd say he's fantastic. Actually, I got a, a just talked to him earlier today. He's out. I got him out on bond um, on Monday of last week. Free Eddie. Um, yeah, free Eddie. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was um, and it it was a lot, but um, I'll tell you, he um, in fact just today when I was talking to him, he uh, has set a doctor's appointment for Monday because he is just still um, his medical care was so um, low and it's, and it's, you know, I understand that it's difficult to provide medical care to inmates, especially when, when he has the kind of problems that he had, but it, it was minimal, you know, and, and it kept him alive, but just barely. Did he gain um, 65 and, pounds, Amy? He got a little chubby. I know that. How did he gain 60? Well, and a lot of it is bloat weight too. But I mean, I remember because I, I emailed him a lot. And so I hadn't, I didn't have as much face to face interaction because it's so far away. But um, I mean, it's not that far. It's like 25 minutes, but you know, 25 minutes there, 25 minutes back. And then you have to wait for them to bring yeah. down. It's just easier to email. But there were times that I did need to go see him. And the I remember, for the first time, I, I think I even texted Amy a picture, like the first time that I went to go after um, this significant weight gain, I was, I, I was so taken, a, I mean, I was speechless, which I'm never speechless. I was speechless. Um, and I immediately got his medical records and his blood pressure was constantly in the triple and double digits. His um, sugars were ranging from like 205 to, to, to 310. Um, wow. And, and so, you know, a lot of it, um, a lot of it was just such poor medical, you know, it was keeping him alive, but, but now, you know, and then the kinds of foods that they, they eat in there. And so he's had a real hard time adapting to being back out, um, and eating just normal foods and, um, the medications that he was on, I'm telling you would kill an elephant, um, and so I know his pain was so bad in there. And so now he's working with his doctors to get back on the spinal injections, to get back on, on those things. So he, um, but you know, but he's certainly thankful to be out. I don't think he would have made it another month to be honest, but, but wow, so the takeaway, the takeaway, it really terrifying, but the takeaway for me, it's interesting because, um, John Metters has been phenomenal. He has been a great asset to the attorney general's office. He and I've been friends. I've known him for 15 years, but I'll tell you, he is a man of his word. And he, you know, he, we had prepped Eddie to testify um, numerous times and, and I think he was ready. And, and, you know, John, of course, couldn't make any promises, but, but certainly said, you know, I will, you know, tell the judge um, when it comes time for your bond that, that you were, uh, you know, cooperative cooperative and, and willing to cooperate. And he did, I think he went above and beyond. I think he did exactly that, which, you know, sometimes I lose faith in, in, in these government uh, people, um, you know, and, and, you know, and Creighton has, has a job to do, but, you know, for Creighton to, to on one hand say, you know, we're going to fight corruption and we're going to, you know, bad lawyers, bad cops, people who do bad things. But then you have a, somebody who, testified under oath that they lied to the state grand jury and they haven't done anything with that. So it, it's easy at times to lose faith in, in, in what prosecutors say, but 
I'm in an interesting position now because, you know, they've spent seven weeks saying Alec was a liar. Alec did this. Alec did that. And, and a lot of the roadside, I mean, not really, 95% of the roadside shooting arrest was because of, of Alec's word. And so I really think that that case is going to go by the wayside. And I think that, um, you know, we'll be able to work out something on his state grand jury cases. But so the takeaway for me is, even though the, the kind of big firework has gone off, the little the little tendrils that are going to fall from that are going to fall for, for quite some time, I think. Yeah, I think Eddie is point. just as much a victim as everybody else. You know I mean, when you look at the evidence and you see he's everybody just kind of trusted Alex for his word because he's a lawyer. Right. And his dad was a prosecutor and he was a prosecutor and they all expect him that he was doing the right thing because no one would expect him to do, you know, all these crazy things. And Eddie just believed him like everybody else. Maybe I'm going to go only on maybe there. Don't forget Amy and the other Amy. You guys are my friends, but whatever Eric. you do know, you do know that he, afraid. you do know that he was, a, you know, a transporter of some drugs, and more importantly, he was the recipient, not the ultimate beneficiary, but the recipient of two point two million dollars of laundered money through him, which he probably gave back to Alex. Not saying that he took that money, but he he wasn't a total innocent because he's yeah, not. But Eric, you gotta admit, just like that little the little guy, the young guy who was the runner that was running and cashing checks for him yeah. and everybody else. There were so many of people that loved him and liked Again, him. And that's the problem. And that's it the problem is that he wasn't the only one doing the. He wasn't I the agree. only one bringing. I agree. The best, part about the, the best part about the yeah. Palmetto panel, I don't even have to be here. I love it. it happens sorry, every no. time, and it's the best. Ann Taylor, lest you think that this is not a global show, Ann writes, I've made a live. Hi, all from Tasmania. Wow. Yes, as Thank always. You. Thank you. And then Harold, anything but dull, a friend of the show. I'm all for good defense lawyers, but Harputlian's rebuttal cross of Ronnie Crosby was beyond the pale. Crosby embarrassed Harputlian anyway. Uh, Eric, your take takeaway uh, from all of this, and uh, you know, you you were on TV every single day. What's it like uh, with a little bit of the hype wearing off now? Um, it's it's good. You know, I'm a full time practicing lawyer, which uh, and so for a while, my clients like seeing me on TV. But after a while, they're like, okay, when are you going to start tending to my matters? So it's nice to get back to my family. It's nice to be practicing law somewhat from my bed. Uh, because of my surgery. But my takeaway is I thought it was great for the world to see how justice works, a trial. Because when you watch it on TV, like Amy said, or Sarah said, or, um, you know, it's a, it's blipped. It's an, they see a trial, it's 30 minutes. Oh, that's great. No, you actually see how expert witnesses get qualified. You see how evidence goes through the court. You see how arguments are made. And the intelligence of the people that followed the Murdoch trial was amazing to me because I get a lot of uh, feedback on my podcast. The, the listeners really got educated on the law. And I tend to think that South Carolinians, as citizens now, we have a pretty good understanding of the justice system. We know when it works. We know when it doesn't. We know when it's fair. We know when it's unfair. And I think Judge Newman did such a great job that um, justice was done. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. You saw justice being done. Uh, Catherine uh, writes, Alec worked very hard to earn his bed at Kirkland. He's in that new prison now. I hope he enjoys his retirement under lock and key. 
David asking, how does one become a YouTube member through Patreon? Patreon and becoming a YouTube member are two separate things. The chief marketing officer, a.k.a. my wife, should have a link in the summary of this show that would take you to both places. Uh, the short answer is I have no idea. I just post a show. Um, Eric, I should have asked you this earlier, but I kind of didn't on purpose. So uh, Sandy Smith was quoted as saying, my baby is back in his final resting place after the exhumation. And uh, he was placed back uh, at his gravesite in the cemetery. How is she doing? She is doing uh, remarkably well. Um, this is a woman that for eight years uh, was screaming with a bullhorn by herself, not with a lot of money, saying that there was an injustice done to her son, that he was it wasn't a hit and run, that he was um, uh, killed intentionally. And no one really listened because... He, like a lot of other people, can be a forgotten person or a forgotten victim. Um, he, he became a part of the Murdoch story because, and it was always like one-fifth of the piece of the cake. So if you watch the documentary, Stephen Smith was always one-fifth. But he became part of the story because Randall Murdoch, and in the investigation, the Murdoch name was constantly being banded around in the investigative file. And so... After the Murdoch trial got done, um, Mandy Matney and Liz Farrell started a GoFundMe uh, for um, Sandy Smith and incredibly raised over $100,000. So they came to me and said, well, look, we got the money now to exhume Stephen. Will you do us this favor? You, 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 know, you have a little bit of recognition from the trial and from the Satterfields and some of the other clients. And I said I would. So I, I promised two things that I would get the body exhumed and I would get a second autopsy done. And within two weeks, we were able to accomplish that. But more importantly, Chief Keel uh, called me on the phone and said that I can make a public statement that South Carolina has now changed its position that Stephen Smith was the victim of a homicide and not of a hit and run. And so I've been working hand in hand. Uh, for the past three weeks with Chief Keel and, and, and SLED, we were able to get the body exhumed on a Friday morning. I went through all the red tape. You got to get the coroner. You got to get DHEC. You got to get the funeral homes. Everybody's got to sign off. You got to get permits. And I was able to get them exhumed, taken to Florida, an autopsy be done by um, a forensic anthropologist and a regular forensic um, autopsy uh, being done, but because it's much harder when somebody has been buried for eight years, as opposed to doing an autopsy on somebody that died yesterday. And then we were able to get him back and get him re-interned at three o'clock on Sunday without the media knowing we did it. And it was coordinated with SLED. So Sandy Smith was extremely pleased. We we're waiting for the results. Um, they'll be given the SLED and SLED is full bore into this investigation. I have the promise by the chief that they've reallocated all of the Murdoch agents to now look into the Stephen Smith murder. And uh, we're hopeful we'll find something. Uh, look, for eight years, Stephen was pounding on the coffin saying, I didn't get hit by a car. I died by, you know, intentional act. And so now I think Sandy feels like Stephen can rest in peace. So whatever comes from it now, I think we've we've done a pretty decent job. And uh, Space Coast, who's moderating, shout out to Space Coast. Uh, 
a big friend of the show, uh, has put up the uh, YouTube address there. For those of you who don't know, because not everyone knows, July 8th, 2015, Stephen Smith, then a 19-year-old nursing student at Orangeburg Calhoun Technical College, he was found dead from what was uh, initially described as blunt force trauma on a rural road in Hampton County. Uh, the case was ruled a hit and run with no suspects arrested. Smith was openly gay and a high school classmate of Alec Murdoch's oldest son, Buster. Uh, witnesses interviewed as part of all this original investigation repeatedly uh, implicated Buster as having been involved in a relationship with Stephen, but the case went cold. Uh, not long ago, just a few weeks ago, two people of interest were named, uh, none of them uh, being Buster. Buster put out a statement saying, please leave him alone. Uh, Sarah, again, you're the expert here uh, when it comes to victims. Why did Sandy Smith have to wait for Alec Murdoch to get tried to finally kind of get on the bicycle to justice? Uh, should it have happened much sooner? Absolutely. It's complete bullshit that it took eight years and a complete There's the circle. Amy Lawrence in you. Oh, look at this. Amy's like, she did it. Um, it. It is. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that you have to literally hold people accountable in front of a camera and say, you didn't do your job. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. No one cares when you know the mom is calling, writing letters, all of that for years and years and years. But if you do it publicly, it's really amazing how fast crap happens. When it's like, oh, you're not doing your job. Well, we want to do our job because, you know, thousands, millions of people are watching. Um, I hate it because I, I wanted to say, Eric, I am so grateful that, you know, you got involved in this case and that you, you know, you got the second autopsy done. But please don't take all of SLED away from, from the rest of us because I can tell you, I have a lot of cases that mothers and fathers and, and brothers and sisters have been waiting for years as well to have to yeah. have their day as well i i'm i'm just joking with you Eric. yeah i want to i want to i want to say something that's important south carolina highway patrol had the case from 2015 to 2021 in 2021 they transferred the case over to sled sled wanted the case from the start sled and some of the highway patrol officers disagreed with Dr. El, uh, Presnell, Aaron Presnell, who did the autopsy in MUSC. She's the one who said that it happened as a result of being hit by a car. Um, SLED did not release the investigative file. Chief Keel is, is very upset that the highway department in 2021 released the investigative file. To answer your question, why they waited until Alex was uh, convicted was answered to me by Chief Keel. And he said, Eric, we made the strategic decision that we had to get a conviction of Alex so that people will feel free to come forward and talk. That the yoke, that the uh, stranglehold that the Murdoch's had on that low country is now, they think, broken. That people came into the courtroom, they testified under oath, they were clear um, in what they were saying. And now the only way this is going to get solved is if somebody comes forward and give some information. It's not going to be solved by DNA or scientific. So maybe we can disagree with why Chief Keel waited until he got the conviction, but that is his reason that he gave us. We definitely disagree, Eric, but that's I not very convenient okay. for, for Chief Keel. I mean, what about the, the, the years backlog of rape kits that have not been tested? Or, you know, the list can go on and on and on how SLED is failing us and how they can do better. And the They do have the rape kit of Stephen Smith. There was a, you know, it was said that it was lost. It's not. 
Now, I will tell you this. You guys are going to be shocked. Amy brings up a, a, an amazing point. I learned that 60% of the rate kits that are taken are not tested. We have over 2,400 in the state of South Carolina that are currently untested. And that's just what's in SLED's hands. That's why, not why is it? it, we it, it we Sarah, why? Is it a lack of uh, man or woman power? to? I, I had a meeting with SLED probably two months ago. And, and their explanation is they don't have the manpower, the woman power to be able to do this. They don't have, you know, they can send these kits out of state. But the problem when you send kits out of state, defense attorneys, know you've got to bring people in if you're going to try that case. Are we going to get people in from Colorado to come and testify in this rape case? you got to pay for that, all of that. So it, it's problematic for prosecutors if we're sending all of these kits out. But it's also problematic for victims because we don't know if these kits are, are you know, what's in these kits. Are they going to hit? Are they going to have some sort of evidence that, that could really break this case? Is there a universal data bank, Sarah, that... They test from, or does South Carolina have a different data bank? How how do they work? I'm, I don't understand how a rape kit works. So I'll tell you. So with the rape kits, South Carolina's backlog is not as bad as other states' backlogs. I will tell you that. That doesn't mean it's not bad. It's only like four years backlog. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not bad. It's but bad. they can run these kit these kits through once they are tested. And here's the thing: every every kit is not going to be qualified are going to have necessarily a DNA hit that they can run through CODIS or any of those things. And of course, if they get a hit, they're still going to have to get, you know, a buckle swab from the defendant with right. the smarter hearing, all of that kind of stuff. That's like way out yonder. But it, the problem is that they don't have the qualified analysts per sled to do the testing here in state. So the question is, what do we do? Do we send them out of state? But even, I think it's only about 150 kits that they can test per month to try and get out of this backlog. That's the backlog. Sounds like they need to hire somebody. I mean, we spend millions think, of dollars on complete horseshit. I think they're trying, but it's just, it's-, it's how, uh, how much is it going to cost us? I'll raise the money. I mean, well, there's a reason money why the legislature the just- has a nonprofit organization because this this tells you where women stand in the state of South Carolina and in the United States, right? Women and children are subpar citizens in this state. And across the United States, which is why these cases I have seen, I represent rape victims every day. I'm an attorney for the Rape Crisis Center. I go in and kick in doors and show my ass every day because doctors don't want to do rape kits because nobody wants to test them. Here's a great example. This makes me so mad. I, can I love this off. woman. Mm. Don't you love this passion, Joel? Every, every time is, she's on, I got a serial rapist, serial rapist in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a serial fucking rapist. Raped women for 14 years. And guess what? Sled never put his DNA through CODIS. Never once. He raped, I think and, they said 20 some women. And I'll tell you. And no I'll one ever you. bothered to check and put his DNA through CODIS? Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I think I think it happens. I think it happens in every state. Uh, I think law enforcement is overworked. But no one's under- acknowledging it. And when yeah. you don't acknowledge it, you can't change it. So what are we doing to fix it? And the answer is we're doing nothing. We're passing the buck and saying, well, we can't send it out of state. No, you can send it out of state. They do it every day. In a murder case, they do it every day. There are other options, but they choose not to do them. And uh, Amy Z, to you, uh, Iris hey, Hewlett. Sorry, right? my internet, it, there's a storm here, so the internet is kicking me out. But um, but I'll tell you, it, it, it's frustrating to me, um, you know, when I hear that whole, oh, we don't have enough people or we don't have enough money bullshit because, 
you know, we have, we have cops that are wasting their time, you know, writing tickets with, uh, you know, with, you know, simple possession of marijuana cases, um, you know, and, 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 and things that, that are unimportant, you know, but, but they can boost numbers so that they can get money and they can arrest these, you know, little kids and, or, you know, young kids and things like that. But, but the bigger cases, the cases that require, you know, the time and attention of law enforcement are just, you know, continuing to be backlogged and backlogged and say, oh, well, we just don't have anybody to, to do any of this. And it, and it's, you know, it, it, it's completely ridiculous. It's it's unfair. It's unfair. It's extremely unfair to the victims. It's unfair to to people who get arrested and can't you know fight because you know the evidence isn't being tested. It, it, it's a problem all the way around. And I'll donate you know, the money. I'll donate the money to hire one DNA analyst. What's it going to cost me? Sixty grand to just do that right here. I'll, do, I'll I'll I'll, I'll pay for one of them. I'll cover one salary. I think they've got room to hire at least 15 more analysts at SLED. That tells you how, how understaffed they are right now. And let me tell you, I mean, no disrespect. And I apologize, Joel, for just jumping in here. This is your show, but I got to say this. I, I like Amy work with victims every single day. And it, it pisses me off because the, the Murdoch case tells me that SLED and South Carolina law enforcement has the capability to do things. So what do we tell the thousands of victims? And cases for that that Amy and Amy are defending or whatever, you know, what are we telling those people? Because it can be done. That's what the Murdoch case showed me. And so and, I, and I what they're telling them is they don't matter. I mean, and the answer matter. is they don't fucking matter. They don't fucking matter because they're not some high profile attorney and they and they don't matter. And that is incredibly frustrating. Sorry to cut you off, Sarah, but you know exactly what the answer is. And it and it's because they don't matter. Are you guys can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was okay. Just sorry, y'all. No, I have sweaty armpits. Okay, I'm so fired up. I can't wait for the emails on this show. You guys can't. You can't control your guests. They're cursed. Look at these sweet women, and they're all cursing like sailors. They're passionate. Yeah, Eric they're and I. Passionate. Eric and I not cursing at all. Um. By the way, Cynthia Grand says hello from Mobile, Alabama. We're happy to have you. Apologies for the harsh language. I use it off camera. Amy Lawrence uses it on camera. Amy Z and Sarah. It happens. We're Irish dabbling. Group, everyone is. Uh, Eric, Iris oh, writes, I don't understand why a second autopsy was not performed in 2015, considering there were discrepancies uh, in his manner of death. Uh, any answer to that question or concern? They rarely do that. Um, it, for a high profile uh, possible victim, they would, but they're, they're not going to do that. Aaron Presnell under normal circumstances is a highly qualified pathologist. And, uh, you know, the South Carolina highway department was running the investigation. It just, it, it's rarely done that you could get a second autopsy. You could pay for it yourself, but of course she didn't have the money to do that. Uh, and David figured this out real quickly. We appreciate that. Uh, he became a YouTube member. Is that an NJ on your shirt, David? Is that New Jersey, my home state? Uh, I think I like you even more. That's my hometown right there on my hat. Uh, he says, you're welcome. I love this channel, especially Carm. Carm is making her comeback this Sunday night. We've actually got female ex-cons coming on the show on Sunday to talk about what Lori Vallow's life behind bars right now is like and what it could be uh, for the rest of her life because it appears that it is uh, – Headed that way. And Iris Hewlett writes, I'm confused. This podcast is not about Stephen Smith. 
It is hard to corral people from South Carolina, so I'm bringing us back there. Uh, we are talking about it. So as Eric said, his body was exhumed. It was a complicated process. Uh, it had to be taken to Tampa for a very special uh, sort of autopsy, being that it was almost eight years that he was uh, unfortunately uh, buried for. Uh, Kenneth Kinsey says uh, in a quote here, and uh, you know him from the Alec Murdoch trial. Uh, he's with the Orangeburg County Sheriff's Department. He says, I do know it was a, su a success. They say they did collect evidence. It was very good documentation. And everybody was upbeat about the information that was collected, uh, Kenneth Kinsey said. And that's not always the situation when you exhume someone after so many years. Yeah, he had, he had water in his coffin, uh, Joel. And we hired Kenny Kinsey to kind of be the interface between us and because uh, we're not law enforcement, obviously, and SLED. And he has relationships with SLED. And we're, we put out a reward uh, if somebody wants to give a tip that leads to the arrest of somebody. So we're getting a lot of tips. So I hired Kenny Kenzie to uh, filter through these tips and see uh, if there are any good tips. And we've actually gotten some good tips from people that have that uh, Stephen went to high school with, that knew who he had dated and knew who he had conflicts with. So we're learning new things uh, that we didn't know existed. So it's pretty and good. Eric, there were two, by the way, Andy Schools is a friend of the show. Hello to all the best guests, STS Nation. Eric, hope your knee is healing well. Good job, Amy, getting Eddie out. The weight gain is so bad for his spinal surgery history. Hats off to your hard work. So STS Nation, uh, giving you guys all a, a much-deserved round of applause. Um, two people were named as persons of interest, Patrick Wilson and Sean Connolly. Um, obviously neither of them are Murdoch's, which would, uh, make Buster's statement, um, more salient at this point. Um, but what, what's going on there? Do we have any update on, uh, on this part of the investigation, Eric? Um, we, we do and we don't, um, SLED is conducting it. Chief Keel shares a lot of information with me, but he doesn't tell me those kind of things uh, or some things he tells me. I, and he asked me to keep quiet because uh, they're in the middle of uh, questioning somebody. I think it's a mistake for news agencies to name people as persons of interest. One, it has a tendency to chill others that may want to come forward and talk, because from what I understand, when a local news agency named those two people, they got death threats over the weekend. So it's a very dangerous thing to do. They're young guys. I think they were in high school when this happened. So when you start naming people of interest, I, I just don't think that's the right way to conduct an investigation. Um, and Eric, I mean, obviously this is your wheelhouse right now, but Stephen Smith's mom, she uh, fired off a letter to the FBI back in 2016. She did. She, uh, she called out Buster. Um, have you had a conversation that you can share with us? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to reveal attorney-client privilege information. I was not representing her then. All I can say is, to my knowledge, I have no direct or indirect information that would implicate Buster Murdaugh at this time. Can I say something? God bless y'all. It makes me cry when I think about it because I'm a mama. God bless Sandy Smith for never giving up. Sure. You know I mean? And being relentless in her pursuit of knowing what happened to her baby. Yeah. Like ev like everybody deserves a mom like Sandy Smith. Oh, that's beautiful. That would never give up. Like it just makes me cry thinking about it. Like God bless her. her for I'm never, tell her. never I'm giving tell up. Her. Tell her. 
Um, Angel Ties here. Hi, SCS Nation from Belgrade, Serbia. Fantastic guest, as per usual. Thank you. It's interesting. I am writing a book about my mother right now, who's from the border of Yugoslavia and Serbia. And today I was writing the part about her escape from the war, and she was hidden uh, in Belgrade. Um, and I was just writing about it. So uh, you are on my mind, Belgrade. Um, and it's also why I'm kind of, my, my mind is a little mush right now. Uh, we'll get back to uh, Stephen Smith in a second, but uh, there's another guy, Russell Lafitte. Uh, Sarah Ford, uh, the former uh, CEO of the Palmetto State Bank. And he uh, he asked for a new trial because of what happened with Alec Murdoch. And the judge told him to buzz off. Was that the right move from the judge? Judge Gurgle is one of my favorites. Absolutely love him. Absolutely love his wife, who was a mentor and professor of mine at Columbia College. Wonderful people, smart man, and a 100% right in slapping Russell Lafitte down again. Absolutely ridiculous that, that he, oh, no, the answer is no. Let me ask again. Oh, not that way. Let me ask again. It's over. Stop. I, I'm I'm really. Suck it. I believe he said suck it. I heard I, him. I mean, it was like he said it in the nicest possible way, like stop wasting my time. But it's the dumb, it was the dumbest move by oh. Mark Moore, his new defense attorney, before sentencing, criticizing the trial counsel, Bart Daniel, even though we, somebody can criticize sitting where we sit, the job that Bart Daniel may have done. But before a client is sentenced, you don't hire a new lawyer to criticize the trial counsel. And Judge Gergel, I'm telling you, is going to come down on Russ Lafitte like a ton of bricks because he sees no contrition. He sees him blaming uh, Bart Daniel. And then in this latest motion, he's trying to say that Alex Murdoch should be believed because Alex in his trial said that Russell Lafitte was not part of a conspiracy. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything. He didn't. I didn't tell him to steal money. He didn't steal money. The fact of the matter is Judge Gergel quoted the jury and Judge Newman in his motion and said they both found him to be not credible throughout his entire trial. So why am I now going to bring him in my courtroom under Rule 33 and say that if I let him testify, a standard under Rule 33 is it would lead to an acquittal. So I think it is just wasting time, and I believe that Judge Gurgel is going to hammer him. I'm interested in what you what you ladies think. Could not be a le a, a less credible witness than Alec Murdoch. Like, right. come, I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? Come on, I am so ready for this sentencing to happen because I think exactly what. Uh, Russell Lafitte deserves is going to happen. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I think the court can get behind someone saying, you know what? I screwed up. I trusted this guy. He was my friend. Right. You know, he had a lot of money, a lot of influence in town. And I just screwed up, judge. I messed up. Please. I, you know, I, I'm falling at the mercy of the court. What, what's this guy's he, like not that even we can buy. That how, makes sense. How much time sense. is, how much time is he going to get for this? Uh, somewhere probably between nine and 17 years. I would I say 12. My money's, my money was on 12 before yeah. that motion. So maybe 15. I was thinking 15, 15 is yeah. my number. That's my number. I love how he's like, but, but the guy who starts off every answer with you're right, Mr. Waters, I am a lie. <laughs> I'm a cheetah. I'm a stealer. We're going to like his, this is the guy who's like word we're going to take 
for gold. He's going to come and save Russell Lafitte. Come on, ridiculous. And the fact that those lawyers came in and slapped around the previous lawyers who were with him through the entire trial, did the best they could with what they had, and then you're going to do it now, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Plus, the law is clear, and Amy, Amy's know this and Sarah, that if you take, if a witness is going to take the fifth, you can't, pre- you, the judge isn't going to presume that what he would testify to was going to help him. So if Alex really wanted to help uh, Russ out, he, w- he was on the witness list. He could have come and testified. But Jim Griffin told the defense, if you call Alex, he's going to take the fifth, which means he's going to make statements that could implicate himself and the person who's on trial. Um, it was my fault. I uh, I veered us off the Stephen Smith path, and I'm bringing us back. Bundy Data writes, there had to be blood near the crotch because something at the scene indicated rape, and we were just talking about the rape kits and the lack of testing. Andy School chiming back in. Uh, the forensic evidence is contrary to trucks to a truck's mirror hitting a skull. From what I've heard, the skull and brain damage does not align whatsoever with a mirror pedestrian bump force hit. Time to get tests done. Uh, Amy Z, not to put you on the spot, um, I don't, you have any sort of intuition about what went on this night? It's it's super mysterious. It's a remote road. Uh, these two persons of interest who were named um, are apparently being investigated, but not too quickly because nothing's happened in about a month's time. Um, what, what's your gut telling you about what happened here? Well, so... I, I love to solve cases. I, I, I think that's, that's why I'm, I'm really good at criminal defense because one of the things that I do is, is solve cases and I, I want all the evidence and I want to look at it and I want to look at it from, you know, from, from a defense attorney's point of view, but I think all good defense attorneys look at it from a prosecution point of view. Um, I, you know, I, I can't even begin to speculate what happened because they are holding everything so close and so tight um, with, and, and there may not, and there may be a lot of things missing. One of the frustrations that I have with law enforcement, um, especially in this case, because again, I know it was like the highway patrol versus sled. And I think it, you know, highway patrol was the one that was called out because it was on the road. And then they took, they took over for a long time, you know, but there's so a crime. And I tell this to juries all the time, a crime scene tells a story, um, you know, and every little bit of evidence tells a story. and when you lose, when you lose the opportunity to, to know that, or when you lose the opportunity to, um, I've seen a few of the pictures that, you know, have been released. Um, I, I, I certainly hope that there's more, but I, I fear that there's not. But when you lose that, I think that you really lose the ability to, to understand about what happened that night. Um, you know, and, and one of the good things about the light that's been shed on this case, um, I think well, I hope is that, that that they understand that that initial investigation is so important. I, I hope what doesn't get lost. I'm, I, I'm and, and Eric, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think that you would that you would feel that Sandy doesn't care if it was a Murdoch or not a Murdoch. She just wants to know. Um, yeah. And and so and 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 so what I hope is that you know. Sometimes when I listen to to podcasts or, or people and they want to to do what I think law enforcement does a lot of times, which is kind of put blinders on, you know, and, and look, 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 look. And I think that that's what that's what is it's such an in- injustice to victims across across the, the, the 
the state is that if you just you, you get this theory and then you put these blinders on and, right. and you just want to, you know, you want it to be something, then you're not really going to be able to find out. So, you know, I, I think something incredibly tragic that happened. I think that right off the red flags of, of his, you know, claiming that he was out of gas, but his wallet being in his vehicle, you know, things like that. I think there are things that do not make sense. And I think that um, I, I hope that a thorough investigation can be done. But but then I'm going to put on my defense attorney hat, which is what I wear most of the time. And I'll tell you that, um, you know, if you know, if these if these says if these two suspects, you know, are arrested, you know, I fear that the evidence will be able to be attacked by by any decent defense attorney, because, I mean, it, it has gone on so long. And that's not justice. That's not justice for Stephen. That's not justice for his mama. And that's not justice for anyone who gets arrested. So, I, I mean, I, I think Eric agrees with me that, you know, we really, at this point, people who know something are really going to be the ones that have to come forward. Because I think relying on, on this forensic evidence or, you know, this investigation is not going to, I think it's, it's going to not be fruitful. But I mean, I think Sandy and, and Stephen both deserve to know the truth. And I think who's ever accused ultimately, you know, deserves to to have that evidence stacked up against them. And so, you know, I hope that, I, I don't know what happened. I, I certainly, I, I hate to speculate because, you know, you could do that all day long. Um, but I hope that that law enforcement takes a look at least at this, you know, especially since it is out there and said, we should have done a better job. Um, you know, we need to do better jobs from here forward to, to, to get victims. And, you know, maybe Sandy, she may not ever, I hope she does. I hope and pray that she does get the answers that she needs, but, but, you know, maybe, maybe her impact will be that it makes a difference for the next Sandy Smith, you know, for the next. Well, well the real person. problem is, yeah, the real problem, Amy, and that was so well said is there was this conflict between the highway patrol and sled on who was going to take over the investigation because it happened on a road, the highway patrol said, Oh, we're going to do it, but they're really not in the best position. If it's an intentional killing to collect evidence and, and secure the scene and, and start the investigation, you know, sled had about a five year delay. in when they got all the information to take over this investigation, not that I'm apologizing, but you're right. The territorial disputes can really affect um, in the law enforcement how an investigative scene is ultimately uh, discovered and secured. What's funny is, is normally when we see um, jur- like police departments and jurisdictions, usually they're fighting to get it. Not not everybody like saying not it. Right. Right. Not it. Not it. But here we're saying not it. And I, matter of fact, I was down in that neck of the woods a couple weeks ago and I was talking to a trooper and I was like, you know, God bless. That trooper who went out and interviewed and made all those calls and documented everything that he did, because but for him doing that, it, we would have ha- we would have nothing to go on. Do you know that that officer Moore is also a victim of Alex Murdoch? That Alex stole one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars from him from a, a settlement that that man needed to get back surgery. That he place was, is the most incestuous place I've ever seen in my whole life. As <laughs> Alec would say, what a, what a tangled web we weave, right? Well, he said it. He said it. People, uh, people are weighing in about the cussing, as you guys say in South Carolina. Leon Wright, love your guests. MC 
Funky is doing shots, apparently, every time you guys curse, so she could be very drunk. Very. Uh, Century Combustion says, never stop, Amy. We love it. Love the passion these ladies are showing. I love the swearing. They are speaking like most people want to. And then this, Eric understands passion, and thanks for saying passion, Eric. It usually gets labeled as the B word. So uh, a surprising uh, take from STS Nation. They don't seem too upset. A few people said uh, F-bombs could be left out. Um, but uh, I'm, I Listen, know. I'm working on it, and I've been praying about my cursing, and I'm going to do better, I promise. But, but Stephanie says she doesn't really care. And you know what? I don't care that much. Um, so Stephen Smith's boyfriend, a guy named Mark Bickhart, and what we'll wrap this Alleged. Up. Alleged. Oh, it is an alleged? Okay. I, well, I don't, well he, apparently, uh, apparently he was on a uh, uh, text exchange. Like a creeper. Yeah. Um, well, he was on a text exchange, and he was talking about what he was hearing that night, which were these big mud tires. But I was just bringing this back to Amy Lawrence Lovely, um, I don't know. I mean, you're also a defense attorney and you piece things together and it is a bit uh, speculative, but do you have any thoughts in your gut about what could have happened this night? Why they would have labeled it a hit and run and now we're learning that um, that it, uh, it it almost certainly was not and it was a murder. And by the way, David is from New Jersey. So uh, shout out to David. But Amy, your thoughts. It, it kind of goes back to what I said is like women and children are kind of second class citizens around here. And I would... I'd, I'd stick gay kids in that same category. You know, he wasn't anybody important. So what's it really matter how he died? He's dead. Like, that's how they viewed it. And that's how they worked the case. And that's why they were like, not it, because he wasn't fancy enough to care about. And that's the heartbreaking part. Um, yeah. You know, when I heard this story, my gut feeling of what happened is that somebody knew exactly who Stephen Smith was, and they were just screwing around with him. And somebody hung out that window of that car and they had a baseball bat or they had something and, and they were probably harassing him and going past him and they whopped him and he paid the ultimate price for it. And they probably didn't intend to kill him. They probably just were trying to screw with him and I'm trying to not say the F word. And that's how he died. And it's probably the saddest little death I could ever imagine. And he probably laid there by himself not knowing what was happening to him until it was over. And that's the part that breaks my heart. But that's what I think happened. That's and what my gut tells me happened. And listen, you guys are all in the business to really help people, and you do get a sense of that. Um, Anna Lee D. says, love the attention you all are bringing to the major issues of rape kit testing. It matters. And if you don't, read this next comment from Linda Feldman. It's tough to read. And Sarah, I'd love to get your reaction to this. I am a rape survivor from 1978. A few years ago, I contacted contacted the Minneapolis police to see if they had saved my rape kit. They laughed at me the same way they laughed at me when it originally happened. Um, and then she went on and said they originally laughed because they said it's my word against his. Uh, it's giving me uh, chills a little bit. Um, Sarah, um, it's no laughing matter. That Sarah, sounds like we need to make a ride up to Minnesota and find this guy. Um, you know, Linda, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it is a brave thing just to 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 put that out there. Um, you know, you talking about your rape in 1978, it, it's powerful. Your words are powerful and you taking ownership and you taking that power back, um, whether it's here in this chat or whatever you do in your daily life, um, it matters. 
And, and I appreciate you as a victim's rights lawyer, just putting that out there because it's important for people to talk about these things. It's hard. It's tough. The fact that law enforcement told you that it was your word against his laughed in your face like they did 40 something years ago. Um, it's a travesty. It is horrific. It is inexcusable. Um, and I'll tell you, Linda, there are, there are resources out there for people who have, you know, there are people who do the work that I do, uh, you know, up in Minnesota, um, everywhere, all across the the country that we will help you find your kit. We will go through, we will, we will work with you. We will work with law enforcement. We will get as many answers as we possibly can for you. Um, you know, I, I'm a South Carolina lawyer, but I'm happy to try and put you in touch with somebody that can help you do that because you deserve answers, whether it was one day ago or 40, 40 years ago. Uh, you deserve law enforcement to answer for that. If that's all you can do uh, is get answers for what happened or, or what what they screwed up on, you deserve those answers, Linda. Um, so I am I am so sorry that happened to you. Thank you for being an advocate for yourself, going back and doing that. Continue to be an advocate for for you and other people. And I will tell you, we're doing it. This is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and I got to say this: this is near and dear to my heart. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, we're doing a show uh, next week on rape kits, um, you know, how they're done, why are they done, what what people can can learn from that. So many people think that you have to have law enforcement go with you to the hospital to have a kit done. You don't, you can go and have it done anonymously. This is a soapbox, which I'll say for my own podcast, but thank you, Linda, for sharing that. And I'm I'm happy to to write Joel and I, I'm happy yeah. to try and put you in touch. I was touch gonna with say somebody. you can uh you can reach me surviving the survivor at gmail.com and I can connect you with Sarah and Linda went on to write I'm lucky I survived Yet folks don't realize how horribly it affects the whole family for life. And uh, Sarah said that way more eloquently than I ever could. But that was over 40 years ago. And you can still see the uh, impact. Eric, uh, back we to you, you quickly. And by the way, thanks to Jody for becoming a member. Eric, um, you mentioned it earlier. The Smith family raised over $100,000. Our GoFundMe was set up, which raised over the, uh, that amount. Um, Sandy Smith. Uh, apparently allocated about 35,000 of those uh, monies to go towards a, um, a reward for information leading to the arrest in this case. Is that reward still uh, being made available to the public? Oh, of course. And there's no expiration date like milk, like Alex Murdoch put on his reward. Like he gave like a 90 day reward. I've never heard of anybody putting an expiration date on it. Of, of course, it's 35,000 and and uh, it may go up. I mean, if, if we're not getting enough response or enough tips and more money is raised by GoFundMe, uh, I am not charging a legal fee for my services at all. Um, and so every money is getting plowed into the back into this investigation or for a reward. Um, someone was asking, uh, and I don't know if any of you have the answer, when Russell will be sentenced. Is there a sentencing date? I don't think they've. Is there one, Sarah? No, I can answer that, okay. uh, but it's close because a lot of my clients who are Russell's victims um, have received their victim impact statement form. So usually when you get that, uh, it, it's an indication they have a date for when you got to get it back that you're probably about six weeks out. Also, federal court is a lot different than totally state different. court. So yeah. as you saw, yeah, as you saw with state court, um, Alec was sentenced literally right then and there or the next day. Um, but in federal court, um, there's a whole process. So probation gets involved. Once either you're convicted or you um, plead, 
uh, once you have an adjudication of guilt, then um, U.S. Probation Office comes in and they do this extremely comprehensive, it's called a pre-sentence report or pre-sentence investigation. And it's, um, and it, it, I mean, most of mine are, and these are like mostly just drug or RICO um, clients are, but even those are um, 50 to 60 pages. So what they do is they detail a lot of not just the crimes, but, um, but just personal factors and things like that. I I imagine that this pre-sentence investigation report um, will be a couple hundred pages. I I think it, because it, it has to detail each of the crimes and things like that. And so, and then the, the reports go out to the United States attorney into the defense attorneys and they have an, uh, an opportunity to file objections. It's, it's just absolutely, it's a great way to sentence. It, it just, it's absolutely different way um, and much more comprehensive than, than any state case. So I think that that's probably something that most people don't know um, because typically you would think somebody gets convicted, they get sentenced. Um, but in federal court, it is so different. And let me tell you where he's going to be housed. Um, they have to determine there's a determination by the Bureau of Prisons that they do an assessment where it would be best to put him. They are not sending him close to South Carolina for his family because he was not a cooperating witness. And because of some of the things he did, it wouldn't surprise me if he's he finds himself in Duluth, Minnesota or somewhere in South Dakota. Going to happen yeah. to a nicer guy. Yep. It's going to be nice and chilly there. Tanya, thank you for becoming a member. Real quick, Amy, you certainly can. Catherine says cursing is just fancy language. Some people just like plain talk, but not Amy Lawrence Lovey. Amy? Eric, this is for Eric, because I think (laughs) we all want to know, okay, because we've heard that Randy Murdoch was at the scene of of Stephen Smith. Is that true? Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, I've been told that he was at the scene, but maybe not at the night that it happened. There, there's certainly an indication in the uh, the investigative file that he was there, possibly at the night that it happened. But I have heard from others that he showed up later on with an investigator, kind of looking if there was a wrongful death case. Okay, which makes sense. I mean, they that law firm owned that town. I mean, he was. Yeah, but we're not allowed. We're not allowed to be accident hunters, you know. We no, can't. no, no, completely. It makes sense. I mean, we, we heard people talking about how Alex would get troopers and officers just to check was their fault. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, how could you not make money if you were doing that? Like, right, hand right. over fist, crazy. Like my mind is blown. And uh, Ketchup says, uh, a friend of the show, yes, STS Nation, connect, love, more power to this amazing panel, and Linda Feldman, keep fighting and ned smith says and i can't agree more nothing bland about eric and nothing bland about amy lawrence either she fights for the civil rights of the wrongfully accused every day in her practice at the lovely law firm amy was on mtv's teen mom too she loves when i say that and she's appeared on the dr phil show amy your closing thoughts. I've been on Dr. Phil, Amy. You and I got that in common. <laughs> I've also won a lot of trials. I've, I've, you know, a couple civil rights trials. I've got, I've got a couple like cool things besides MTV under my belt. I don't know. Uh, my closing thoughts are, I, I really hope and pray that Sandy Smith gets the answers. Whether that's a conviction or not, at least I hope that at the very least she gets answers to what happened to her little boy because she deserves it. Uh, Lana T says, I have to stalk this channel for lives since the notifications never work. What's up? Uh, people yell at me about stuff. I don't run YouTube. I don't know anything about YouTube. I just have my show there. But we'll get Space Coast on that. Try to figure it out, Lana, Lana, Lana. 
and uh, and we'll uh, we'll get you know we'll let you know. Space Coast is here monitoring everything, so uh, we will have him check that out. Amy Z uh, is the owner, and by the way, I finally learned how to spell Zimmercheck. It's only taking me I don't know a bunch of months, but she's the owner of AJZ Law Firm. She's been voted as a member of Super Lawyers a gazillion times and uh, has had 10 not guilties on felony cases, including murder and rape, since 2009. Uh, obviously, your focus is on Cousin Eddie. Uh, wh wh what's going to happen uh, as we move forward with Cousin Eddie? Um, you know, I, I hope justice. I, I hope that um, I hope that justice happens. I mean, that's always my goal. Um, it, you know, it, it, even as a criminal defense attorney, which, you know, sometimes, you know, we take a lot of heat, but, uh, you know, I think justice is, is the ultimate goal. It's why I went to law school. It's why I, I do what I do. Um, um, just, I was having a conversation with Eric literally just yesterday on, on another case and it, and, you know, every case is different and every aspect of it, you have to really think about all of the things, um, that are involved in a case and, and, you know, I think that with Eddie, um, I think that, thank goodness he's out. I think that we can, you know, certainly seek justice, um, you know, and, and, and it just doesn't go without saying, I mean, I hope that, I hope that Sandy, you know, gets it and, and Stephen get the closure that they need. Um, and I hope that that law enforcement does better. I hope that, that this is a catalyst, you know, to hire those people, that, that we need to train the people that we need and to take the the prominence of people that may or may not be involved out of it and to focus on each and every case as, as, as important. That's, that's what I hope. And uh, Papa bears from Moscow, Idaho, which is near and dear to our hearts here after that horrific quadruple homicide and justice will be served there in due time. Uh, she says, thanks, Joel and guest terrific show with my four favorite guests. And, uh, Marina, uh, another friend of the show, watching in the south of Spain. Great show, great guests, great community. And another great guy is Eric Bland. He's been a super lawyer for 197 years. Uh, he's also representing Stephen Smith's family. And uh, he is host, one of the hosts of Cup of Justice, a phenomenal new true crime podcast. Eric, everyone at STS Nation is pulling for you and hoping your knee feels better and that you're back to full strength. You've seen me fidgeting all show. I've been kind of moving around and putting ice on my knee. And yeah, I hope it, so too. Thanks. It, it's not comfortable. So I, I, I feel your pain, uh, not literally, but figuratively. But um, what are you uh, What are you expecting with uh, the Stephen Smith case uh, in the coming weeks? Um, I don't know about coming weeks, but I'm expecting closure in some shape or form. So whether that closure results in somebody being arrested or the state saying that there's not enough evidence to arrest somebody, but this is what we think happened. Something that can just give peace to this woman so that she can go on because the tragedy of all tragedy is to have your child die before you. And we're all parents. And uh, that would be the ultimate tragedy that a child dies before a parent. That certainly would be. Lorna says it all. Fantastic panel. Quick programming note, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Great Scott. 
It's your true crime Phil with Detective Phil Waters. He's investigated over 400 homicides for the Houston PD and Scott Duffy, a former FBI agent out of Delaware, not far from Eric Bland's home state and town. And then uh, Sunday night, this one right here, making her comeback. And she's going to be speaking to Carm uh, on ex-cons. It'll be a, a trip to watch that. So until then, we will say, love you, America. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.